As a parent, you probably know what you'd like your kids to look like spiritually when they're adults. The question is, what are you doing to help them get there? Here's Terrence Chapman. I've realized that less than 1% of Christians have an intentional spiritual development plan for their home. Less than 1%. And we are a people of planners. We plan vacations. We plan a whole lot of things. But I can simply say to you that our marketers, they know what they want for your children. The Internet, they know what they want for your children. Our school systems, they know what they want for your children. The idea is do you have an intentional plan and process to develop your kids in the Lord? This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We'll talk today about setting spiritual goals and developing a plan to help your children grow in Christ. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. There is a a Bible verse that we have quoted often on Family Life Today, and most of the time when we quote it, we take it out of context. But I think that's okay, don't you? (laughs) You're saying we've been quoting a Bible verse now for For 25 25 years years out of of context. Out of context? But I I think it's okay. The Bible verse is 3 John 4. And in that Bible verse, the Apostle John, who as far as we know, was never married and had no biological children, he says, I have no greater joy than this to know that my children are walking in the truth. And he's referring to his spiritual children. We often apply that to our physical children, who I guess are are our spiritual children as well, or at least we hope they are, right? I would hope they are. And we have a guest with us today on the broadcast who I think would uh, bear witness with that verse that's been put on a lot of gravestones. Mm. Terrence Chatman joins us on Family Life Today. Terrence, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Terrence has written a book called Do Your Children Believe? And it's addressing the issue, really, I think, an urgent issue, a vital issue for the next generation of believers, of children who are leaving the faith, leaving church after they graduate from high school, college, and um, they're really not coming back to their roots. And uh, Terrence and his wife, Wanda, have uh, three children, and Wanda and he have been married for 34 years. And Terrence, uh, it took your wife getting your attention on this this subject on a planning retreat, uh, or what, it was a celebration of your fifteenth anniversary, I think, right? Yeah, my feisty wife. So I, <laughs> I, you know, I was man enough to take her on a nice retreat. We went off every year and just kind of celebrated some time together. And so this was our fifteenth year anniversary. I had this great idea. Uh, what if we had three questions to talk about? You know, where we've been in the last 15 years, where we are today, and where right. we're going. Right. It doesn't sound very sexy on a, on a marriage retreat, but to me, I, it sounded like some good questions we needed to talk about. In the midst of that conversation, if we talked about our family, where we've been, and the kids certainly knew who Christ was. They had a personal relationship with the Lord. They were walking with Him. But during the process, she asked me a question. Well, are, are the kids prepared to defend their faith after high school? Now, our kids are between the age of about 10 and 13, 14 years old at the time, and we looked at each other, we chatted about it, and we had to come to the conclusion they were not prepared to defend their faith after high school. And we knew the statistics. 
you know, 60 to 70 some percent of uh, graduation uh, after high school, they're walking away from their faith, walking away from the church completely. And so she turned to me, and uh, in her wisdom, she says, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> what am I going to do about it? You're the spiritual leader at home. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> oh, and uh, so, so says, you cast well, it back on her, huh? Isn't that the right thing to do? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I threw it back at her, and she says, listen, that's not my role. I've, you've abdicated that role to me in the church, and that's no longer. So here's the idea. What are you going to do about it? And as I reflected on that, I realized that although I was being successful, quote-unquote, in, in corporate America and even in the church, serving in the church, youth minister and so forth, ministering to many kids, I was failing as the spiritual leader of my own home. For a number of years, Family Life uh, did a survey of people in the church, just asking them what their greatest needs were in their marriage and in their, their family. The number one need in their family that uh, they responded to in this research was that we need help in spiritually growing our children. That's exactly it. In fact, number one I'm seeing is moral and spiritual decay. You know, Dennis and Bob, I wanted to do the right thing. I just didn't know how. I didn't know how to lead my kids in such a way. I had abdicated that to the church and, and said, that's your role and my wife. And she was doing a great job. And here I am, uh, you know, I supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. Yeah. And so as she challenged me, I, uh, I went back and took some time and, and said, Lord, I, I want to be the spiritual leader of my home. I want to do a better job at this, but I need your help. I need you more than ever. You know, what, what you're describing, we have been working here at Family Life for a while now on a project that uh, we're going to be sharing more and more with our listeners about over the, the coming months. We've been working on a video series on the art of parenting. And kind of at the core of, of what we're seeing as we look at what's going on with Christian parents today is the scenario that you describe. Active church-going families where everybody would affirm the truth, would believe the right thing, but where the level of spiritual engagement inside the home is very shallow. Uh, it's a subcontracting mentality that the Christian school or the youth pastor or somebody else is supposed to do this. Mm -hmm. Very little scripture being talked about, very little prayer happening inside the home. We just assume that we're uncomfortable kind of knowing how to how to do that. And as a result, our, our kids are growing up confused, aren't they? You know, they really are. We can't teach what we don't know. And uh, what he did was so, so uh, gentle to me is uh, the Lord took me to his word. And for, you know, I just, the first year I said, Lord, I, I need your help more than ever. I, guide me, direct me, lead me down this path. And he took me on a path the first year. Uh, he took me to his word and we went through Genesis to Revelation together. Hmm. And I went through it with one question each year. God, I know you, but let's, let's just get to it. I want to know exactly who you are. I understand your sovereignty. I understand, you know, who you are and your, and, uh, and, and your makeup. But you know what? Let's get into it. Let's read from Genesis to Revelation with one question per year. In the first year, who are you? Hmm. The second year, with the uh, same exercise, Genesis, Revelation, but asking a question within who am I? If I'm made in your image and, I'm the, and I am uh, the one to be the spiritual leader of this home, then tell me what does that look like? But first, what he had to show me was my total depravity, mm -hmm. who I was. And when you reflect on who you are versus his standards, it is a very humbling experience, as you know. The third year, then I knew I needed Christ's uh, understanding even in a deeper way. So I said, okay, I want to know who this Christ is more than I've ever known him, be beyond redemption, right? 
to understand his love and how deep that runs and what took place on that cross is so amazing. And so uh, that was a rich year for me and, and very fulfilling year. And in the fourth year, the, the question was, well, how would you use me, Lord? And what was so humbling, he says, I can't use you at all. I can't use a you that think is still about you. I can't use a you to think that you can do something. In fact, in John 15, he says, you can do nothing. And I looked up nothing in Greek and, and you know what it means? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> no thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So I went through the process and I said, forgive me, Lord. And he taught me four words that I, I talk about in this book. Uh, he needs a you that's dependent on him. He needs a you that's sacrificing, uh, uh, really uh, understanding his mercy. He needs a you that uh, understand what it means to sacrifice and, on the, and, and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And he need a you with great humility. And he says, I could use you, uh, but we still have some work to do. And so he put me into my life and, and uh, other uh, formats of learning in my life. And it really changed the way I, I looked at, at, at this uh, responsibility as being spiritually in my home. I love where you started. You started in the book. Let the book declare who God is and ask God to reveal himself, to show you who he is. And if our listeners haven't read this passage of Scripture recently, I'd encourage them to go to Psalm 78 and read the first, uh, oh, eight or nine verses that are in there. Because it talks about, it really talks about passing on who God is, an introduction to who God is to your children. And then secondly, not just passing on the knowledge about God, but your experience of God as a parent to your children. So that you're not just passing on dogma, doctrine, truth. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to be passing on truth. But uh, we need to be passing on our own experience of what God's doing in our life. And that's what I heard you saying as you read through the Bible. That This passage also begins, though, it says, what we have heard from our fathers. Mm-hmm. It's something that we have learned from our earthly fathers. What did you learn from your dad growing up, spiritually speaking? You know, I came to faith through my parents. Uh, they shared the gospel with me. Is you know, we didn't go to church just on Sunday. We went to church uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think we had <laughs> Thursday off. Uh, Friday was fish fry, so we, did, we went there too. Uh, but the one thing I, I learned more than anything from my parents, one, uh, is this idea of love. Uh, if you had a picture of love, and you can probably place my mother's uh, a picture right in the Bible next to it. And, and, uh, and Dad, you know, he demonstrated what it meant. Uh, to walk this life as a Christian, uh, high character, high integrity, uh, talked about what it meant uh, and what our responsibilities were as a child. You know, he wanted us to have impact and great impact in this nation. Uh, And one of the things, uh, as I was growing up in the 60s, 70s, and faced many trials uh, in Chicago and certainly had a reason a lot of times to go in a different direction, Uh, maybe to love, uh, hate more than I loved. Uh, But he demonstrated to me that especially in the, in the workplace, um, that we are to uh, recognize that everyone in the workplace and everyone in life has intrinsic value. That's the one thing I remember him continuing to just harp, everyone has intrinsic value. You know, when I thought about uh, that type of thinking, uh, his thoughts was, whether they're a janitor or whether they're a president in an mm-hmm. organization, uh, the Lord made them in a, in a special way and they had special gifts. And the idea is, how do you optimize those gifts in that individual? And when it comes to the spiritual side, you know, that's the same challenge we have. How do we demonstrate this Christ-like behavior 
to our children. You know, I thought I was doing something special and they would recognize something amazing, uh, like when I'm sharing the gospel or doing different things. You know what they recognize? The fact that dad was worshiping in the church. And they know I hate to, to sing and worship and things like that. And, and that was, I can sing a little bit, but that was out of rebellion to my eighth grade teacher, okay? Um, <laughs> Uh, she wanted me to sing, and, and uh, I was doing very well in the spelling bee, and, and I felt that she didn't treat me uh, with, the, with the most respect, and, and I lost the, second, uh, the uh, spelling bee, came in second place. And as a result, she was my music teacher. So my rebellion is I wasn't going to sing anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, she put me in the corner until I would sing, and I wouldn't sing. I was kind of a stubborn guy, and not, not that my kids reflect that at all. <laughs> and so as a result, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worship in church. But, you know, when my heart was being transformed and just really pricked and, and, and prodded uh, and pruned, uh, one of the things I did was begin to just worship to the Lord hmm. in a mighty way in church. And, you know, that's what they notice. Dad, we knew you were real. When, when we see things that you probably don't even recognize, that we see a changed life. You know, what you're talking about, again, is, is passing on what you possessed, what you had experienced. And your wife was prodding you, was encouraging you to take upon yourself the mantle of spiritual responsibility for your family, the spiritual growth of your children. Where did you start? Because you developed a plan. And, and maybe the best place to start is explain what your plan embodied. What, what was it like? What did you do? Yeah, so first I wanted them to understand the call. And so what I went back is I went back to my own life experiences in life and, and reflected on that. And at that time, I was at a very high position in one of the top uh, beverage companies in the world. And, and we learned how to do planning. That's one of the things I did know how to do. Uh, we know how to write billion-dollar plans in 45 minutes. Mm. And so I reflected on that. And the first thing that, that we understand in business is what's your vision? What's your mental image? What are you trying to achieve? What's, in the, what's on the far horizon? And and so the first thing I do, what is the vision I have for my own family? What do I want to take this family 20, 30 years from now? You know, we're not making disciples for five years old. I wanted to make disciples when they were 21, 25 years right. old. Right, right. And so that's the process. I started with, where's, where's the vision, Lord? Where, where would you have me to go? Uh, secondly, I, I looked at it and said, well, where have we been? I wanted to look at our history, and I went and, and contacted some folks who can share with me our, our family spiritual history. Uh, and that took me to my aunt, uh, Virgie, and she had a rich, uh, just material in our spiritual walk. And, and there's some amazing stories there I like to share maybe a little later. And then, uh, then that took me to a process of what's our, our mission, how we're going to accomplish this vision that the Lord has put in front of us. And so I, I went back to some past experiences from my business life, from my everyday life, and I applied them in this process. And from that, we've uh, developed what we're calling a generational spiritual development plan for our home. It's a step-by-step process to how and the what and, the, and so forth as to how to lead your kids in the way uh, to the Lord. You know, you go back to the very first step, the vision that you asked God to give you for what your family would look like a generation from now. Dennis, I think that's a step that very few parents ever take. I think we're so caught up in the the dailiness of just trying to survive parenthood that we don't stop and think about what is it that we want this to look like 
20 years from now? And how do we calibrate what we're doing today so that we can get there in 20 years? It, it may expose some misplaced values, Bob, because a lot of parents, when they think about where they want to be with their children in 15, 20 years, they picture their son uh, perhaps in the NFL or playing basketball at a college, or a daughter who's a cheerleader who's doing well in gymnastics, on and on and on. And they're not thinking about being intentional about developing the spiritual growth, the spiritual muscle called faith in their children. Yeah, most parents, when it, when it comes right down to it, Terrence, they want their kids to be happily married, have a successful job. They want them to be healthy. They want them to be uh, independent on their own and, and happy. I mean, if you if you right. summed it all up in one word, I just want my kids to be happy. And there's nothing wrong with wanting our kids to be happy, but there's more to your vision than just happy kids later on, right? Oh, absolutely. I tell you, if we settle on that word happy, that, that's a whole other episode. But, uh, uh, you know, what it took me to was Ephesians 6.4. Uh, fathers don't exasperate your child. Really speaking, I was doing a good job of that, by the way. I, I probably get an A-plus in that area. An exasperation? Uh, as in the as- mm-hmm. yeah. And in what says, way? How, how are you doing that? Well, you know, we want to challenge our children. We want the best for them. We want, to, uh, we want, to, uh, we want them to achieve. We want that, that happiness. Uh, you know, this generation to do better than our generation, right? We have that uh, deep passion. There's nothing wrong with those type of passions. Uh, but one of the ways I was frustrating, which was interesting enough as I got into this, I was becoming the idol for my children. Hmm. They were looking at me as the model, uh, which some would say, you know, that's a good thing. You're a good role model and you're setting some good standards. But you know what? That's not this process. We want to point them to him. We want to point them to Jesus Christ. He's the model. He's the father that's never going to fail him. I'm going to fall short of his glory every time. Uh, But what he took me, he says, train and instruct them in the Lord. Not train and instruct them in the world, but train and instruct them in the Lord. And I looked at that as family discipleship. My role is to be uh, the spiritual leader of this uh, discipleship group that the Lord had naturally given me. I didn't have to go out and develop this discipleship group. I had already developed it <laughs> through a natural process. And, and they, by the way, they couldn't run away. They had to show up every day to the meeting. Uh, and so all we had to do is love on them well. And the concept of discipleship is repetitive training. Are the parents listening to me right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The nature of discipleship is training them over and over and over again in the basics of the faith. That's your assignment. And it's going to become wearisome at times that they may push back and rebel like you did, sitting in a corner refusing to sing. (laughs) But uh, that that doesn't mean a parent is absolved from all responsibility. And that's where I, I really like what you're saying here, Terrence, you're encouraging parents to seize the moment, assume their responsibility, and get with the program in training their children spiritually. And we need to be intentional in that process. You know, I in, in this process, I've been going all around the world uh, teaching this. I've realized that less than 1% of Christians have an intentional spiritual development plan for their home. Less than 1%. And we are a people of planners. We plan vacations. We plan a whole lot of things. But I can simply say to you that our marketers, they know what they want for your children. The Internet, they know what they want for your children. Our school systems, they know what they want for your children. The idea is do you have an intentional plan and process to develop your kids in the Lord? Did your children know that something's changed with dad and things have changed around the house as you were going through this process and starting to get serious about where we're going as a family? Were they kind of like, oh, 
It, this is not the same Chapman house that I am used to growing up in. Well, it was so fun the way we kicked this off. I I sent back and I reflected and I wrote some notes. I didn't have the entire plan in front of me. And I, I took them out to a fun place. I took them out to Lake Lanier, some uh, camping grounds up in North Georgia. And I said, you know, would you guys come join us? We just want to invite you out. We want to have fun together. We're going to play putt-putt golf. And we're just going to have a good time. How old were they at this uh, point? They were about 10 or 13 years old at this point. And I said, you know, I, I just want to share some things with you that's on my heart. And we went up to those Georgia mountains into the cabin and we, we stayed. And one of the things I wanted to do was share my personal testimony. I wanted them to hear that personal testimony from me. And then my wife shared her personal testimony. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, when you hear your children's personal testimony, you know, their life before Christ, how they came to Christ and their life after Christ, it is one of the most fantastic stories you've ever heard. And so that's what I did. That was the first step. I just wanted to go and share my personal testimony. And then we had fun. Before you move off that, I just want to underline what you said, because I think a lot of Christian parents assume their kids know how mom and dad came to faith. But I wouldn't make that assumption. That's right. Take them into your story. If it takes you 45 minutes to tell your story, how long did it take you and Wanda to uh, share your testimony? It took about 30, 45 minutes after I kept stumbling over uh, trying to figure out how much to say and what not to say. But I just, you know what? Let's just be transparent. Put it on the table. There are some things, obviously, you want to caution around sharing. But uh, and, and Dennis, what's even more important was to hear their personal testimony. I thought I knew it. I didn't have a clue. Uh, it was so rich, and, and so it was a good place to start was to share the story of his working in my redemption process. In the context of that weekend away where you had fun and you shared your testimony, did you say to them, we're headed in a new direction as a family? Absolutely, and we talked about what that direction should look like, uh, starting with me, starting with my, my marriage and my wife. And, uh, you know, the reality, I was actually had my wife, my marriage, in the number one spot. Uh, I didn't have God in that number one spot. I had my marriage and my children. I was being responsible as a parent. But my life dramatically changed, and the priorities of my life changed when I put God in his rightful position. Including resigning from a pretty high-up position with an international beverage company whose beverage I have in my Yeti cup right here. I'm I'm drinking your old company's. And it's not Miller Lite. <laughs> it's, Co- it's Coca-Cola. Thanks for clarifying that. But, but well, you, you stepped down from from that role. Now, and you're not saying every dad needs to step down in order to, to spiritually realign his family, but that's what God was calling you to. Well, he's calling me dad. And, and I didn't just step down because of this. I stepped down to pursue a, a life uh, uh, with more of my kids. Um, yeah, I had moved nine times in 11 years in corporate America, all promotions and and same companies, and that's exciting. Uh, and the next move was for me to either go over to China or South Africa. And my, I had made a commitment to my wife that I would stay for eight years until our kids complete high school. Uh, and she helped me to that commitment. So we had opened a business already, and we started that. So I just want to bring the clarity. that The clarity was the Lord was calling me in a very intimate way to get to know him in a deeper way, but also to realize my responsibility as a parent of these children. And my idea is this, what if every child, we took the responsibility as parents, that every child from generation to generation to generation knew who he was. Right. And whose responsibility is that? It's our responsibility as parents to do that. The reality is my parents had celebrated at the point of what we call justification, that saving act 
uh, they had celebrated that. But they didn't understand that I was just on the starting line. There was a process called sanctification, this process of becoming more and more holy, more and more righteousness. They didn't understand that process, and I didn't want that same experience for my children. Psalm 78, again, reminds us we should explain who God is, give them the testimony of the truth about God, and then share your experience of God. And then listen to this. It says, that the generation might know the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope on God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. We're talking about a spiritual relay race that begins when a dad and a mom link arms together and say, we're going to do this. We're going to be we're going to have to get in the trenches. We're going to have to do this repeatedly. It's not a one-and-done deal. You're going to have to go over and over and over again as you confront life with your children and explain what's happening there from a biblical perspective and challenge them to get to know Him and fall in love with Him, even as you are. Well, and to have a plan as a parent, to to know where you want to direct your children and how to get them pointed in the right direction— to get some coaching, some mentoring on that. That's where it's great to have a book like the one you've written called Do Your Children Believe? Becoming Intentional About Your Family's Faith and Spiritual Legacy. 